Welcome to the Gut Podcast on the paper Prebiotic Diet Changes Neural Correlates of Food Decision Making in Overweight Adults A Randomized Controlled Within Crossover Trial Published in Paper Copy in Gut in February 2024 My name is Dr. Philip Smith, Digital and Education Editor of Gut An Honorary Consultant Gastroenterologist at the Royal Liverpool Hospital, Liverpool, United Kingdom and I extend a very warm welcome to Veronica Witt from the Department of Cognitive Neurology at the University of Leipzig Medical Center, Leipzig, Germany. Dr. Witt is the senior author on this excellent paper. Dr. Witt, thank you so much for joining me to do this podcast and congratulations on your superb paper. Firstly, could I ask you to explain the background to your paper? and why researching this area is so important. Yes, um, thank you very much, uh, Dr. Smith. And of course, uh, thank you very much to the editors um, for inviting me to give this um, podcast on our paper. And of course, I also like to um, thank my colleagues, particularly uh, Mrs. Evelyn Medava, who was the first author on this paper. And um, it was also a large part of her PhD thesis. Yes, so in our group, we are interested in how modifiable factors such as diet or specific nutrients um, can affect uh, cognitive function. And so in the last decades, indeed, the gut-brain axis and particularly the gut microbiome uh, have increasingly been suggested as key targets for novel interventions that could improve then brain functions, including um, higher cognitive functions such as eating behavior. But still, this experimental evidence, um, particularly from humans, is uh, very limited. So we we do need more um, uh, trials in humans to really understand uh, where we could intervene to improve um, brain and cognitive function. And so in that um, paper, we we aim to study the effects of a microbiome-changing high-fiber diet. So um, consisting of inulin, which is a soluble fiber that can be digested from uh, by the microbiome to uh, short-chain fatty acids, for example. And we wanted to understand if this prebiotic intervention um, would uh, induce changes in uh, food decision-making in uh, a group of um, adults. And these adults were all um, comprising of um, participants that have a um, naive omnivorous diet and they were all in the range of a BMI of 25 to 30 so uh, might overweight and yeah so we uh, wanted to study whether we could uh, see effects of this supplementary intervention uh, using uh, magnetic resonance imaging and and a functional task during that uh, recording of the MRI. Thank you. I mean, the um, microbiome and the gut-brain axis is really um, very topical and very interesting. So could you explain in a bit more detail about what new findings your paper has highlighted? Yes. um, So in this uh, study, we looked at um, assessments uh, before and after uh, 14 days of um, high-dose prebiotic intake compared to a placebo. And what we found was that uh, when participants underwent um, MRI, that uh, the brain reaction was decreased to um, high caloric food 
uh, stimuli. So uh, during the phase where participants um, evaluated food stimuli, we observed that um, after the prebiotic intake, this brain activation decreased. So uh, this could imply actually that um, the high caloric or rewarding um, food stimuli was not um, yeah, eliciting um, a comparably high brain activation uh, compared to the placebo condition. And um, in addition, we observed that uh, prebiotics also led to a, um, a significantly lower overall wanting scores of food and, and art items that we provided to the participants during this um, MRI sequence. And so um, this could imply then that um, participants may uh, show um, change in, in um, brain activation and uh, behavior that may be relevant then for later um, uh, weight change also. Um, and considering the microbiome, we observed that um, there were significant shifts after the prebiotic intervention, for example, increases in actinobacteria and firmicutes, that some of these um, bacterial genera, for example, bifidobacteria, correlated with um, a higher production of um, short-chain fatty acids from fiber. So this um, result came out from, from uh, Keck analysis of um, these metagenomic information of um, these information that we got from fecal samples. And uh, then we uh, did some exploratory analysis too, where we found that um, these changes or decreases in brain activation to rewarding food stimuli after prebiotics also correlated with uh, certain increases or predicted increases in microbiota-related functional pathways. Uh, for example, regarding this um, short-chain fatty acid metabolism. And of note still, what we could not observe were changes in blood or feces SCFA. So um, in the end, um, more studies need to be done to really understand um, the mechanisms that connect microbiotic ch uh, changes to the brain changes that we observed. Yeah, so uh, maybe as another limitation, we also need to highlight that we still need to understand um, the uh, clinical relevance of um, these changes in brain activation. Thank you. I mean, it's a tremendous amount of work that you've done and really, really interesting. Um, and your, your final part of your answer there kind of leads partly into um, my next question about how this paper and what you've found uh, may impact on clinical practice in the foreseeable future. Um, yeah, that's a super interesting um, avenue. I believe that we are just um, yeah, beginning to explore, actually. So these, the importance of the microbiome and the gut-brain axis for, for brain and behavior. And so um, because we are only at the beginning, it's um, not, we are, I think we are not yet there to really uh, implement clinical changes right now. But still our findings, um, yeah, they, they highlight that there is a possibility that um, we could, for example, alleviate unhealthy eating behavior or, or this food craving for high-caloric um, food, uh, for example, in pe people living with obesity, um, that we could um, try to target those um, behaviors through less invasive interventions, for example, dietary modifications that act particularly on the microbiome, um, so that we can then yeah, take advantage of these still... Um, 
yeah, not fully understood gut-brain access mechanisms. And I think this this is uh, quite exciting for, for the next upcoming years, actually. And in the end, these, the, the microbiome research might then also help us to improve efficacy of existing medications, for example, um, or, or yeah, just to improve dietary interventions in those risk at-risk populations. And eventually then to pave the way for more personalized strategies um, when we take the microbiome into account. Thank you, that is really interesting and you can see how this could be could personalize treatments for, for patients. So you, you kind of slightly touched on the next, uh, the final question really um, in your previous question, but I wanted to ask you specifically about how your paper may impact on research priorities in the foreseeable future? Yeah, my, my hope is actually <laughs> that that our paper also may help to put a higher priority to this multidisciplinary and cooperative and open research in this area because our findings here really indicate that um, when we do research on the crosstalk between the gut and the brain, even towards higher cognitive functions, this could really offer um, new opportunities um, for, for questions that are important uh, yeah, for medical neuroscience, endocrinology, systems biology, and maybe even uh, things like public health. So this, this really requires a curiosity and a knowledge exchange between the different fields. And also when we think of biostatistics, for example, and I, I believe um, yeah, we, we should really put priority into, into this and to foster um, cooperation. And yeah, there, there are some really exciting um, tools also that, that are developing more and more that um, uh, we, for example, can leverage these new omic techniques where we can look at microbiome and um, metabolites in, in a more comprehensive um, manner. And, and by this... Um, and this helps us really um, better to look at human diseases from an integrated and more comprehensive perspective. And I think this this is really needed. And um, yeah, I, I hope this this comes more into spotlight in the next years. And uh, in parallel, um, when we're talking about like open research and and open science. Um, we need really collaborative effort. And in our paper, for example, we offered some open data sets and also the code to analyze um, data. And when we share this openly and, and provide accessible data sets um, to, to other researchers all over the world, I think that that can also just contribute um, to advance our knowledge in this field. And it's... Um, yeah, something that every researcher can do, and it's quite easy to implement. And so, yeah, t uh, I believe this also this open science um, movement has also a profound action on our knowledge, and we should make use of this in the next years. I completely agree. I think um, having uh, openly available data that people can access is uh, is certainly. The way forward and um, uh, I hope more and more people uh, feel the same and do the same so thank you so much um, Dr. Witt for um, uh, doing this podcast today the gut podcast and once again congratulations on your fantastic paper being published in gut to, to both you and all of your co-authors it's a great achievement and really really interesting to those people that have been listening to this podcast, I hope you've enjoyed it. 
do click on the link underneath this podcast which will take you directly to the paper it's well worth reading and of course please do join us again in the future for more good podcasts thank you for listening and joining us <laughs>